Hey, it's Clay. Welcome back to another episode of the Money with Clay podcast. As of this recording right now, it is 4.42 a.m. Eastern Time on May 9th, and I'm recording this. Life is extremely busy still for you loyal listeners. You know that over the past few weeks, I've commented on uh, the other business that I have. We're doing a major uh, site overhaul, and we're doing just there's a lot of moving parts going on right now, but we're oh so close. We plan on launching on May 10th. So um, hopefully the, the new site will be up by the time this uh, uh, episode goes live. But so much going on. But also at the end of the day, there, listen, there's no excuses. I have this thing caught an alarm clock on my uh, phone and it's it's so nice. It's not even like the olden days where you had to think, oh, where'd my, where'd my alarm clock go? No, it's just built right into my phone. So my uh, schedule the past couple of weeks, well, more than that, um, has been uh, my alarm goes off at 4.27 a.m. because I want to get started by about quarter till. So 4.27 lets me kind of wake up, shake the cobwebs out real quick. Although it's been, it's been odd. You would think 4.27 is just extremely early in the morning, which it is. But I really do just pop right out of bed because I sit here and say, oh, there's so much going on, which there is. But I, I enjoy it. So it's not like I'm waking up to go to a quote-unquote job that I don't enjoy. So it's relatively easy to just get up and want to get right at it. And, for example, this morning, I was like, okay, I, I, tomorrow I should probably get the, uh, get the Money with Clay podcast uh, recorded early. And I like to do this. I, I truly do because I know people listen. Uh, I don't know how many people necessarily listen, but I knew people listen and I like to, it's, I really do feel like I'm just having a conversation with you. Granted, you don't reply back, but I kind of imagine like in my mind, I'm trying to think, okay, maybe they would respond this way or maybe they would be thinking that. So I, I try to kind of have a conversation with imaginary people out there as weird as that sounds, but you know what I mean? Uh, so I do enjoy this, but my point is when you enjoy what you're doing, when you're looking forward to it, it, it really may just getting out of bed that much easier. So I, and all this came from, you know, I have to shake the cobwebs out of my mind to wake up, but that's very, that's very quick. It, it, it's very easy to do that because I, I do enjoy all this stuff. I can become overwhelming at, at points and stressful at points, especially when there's public deadlines, which for my other business, there's been a public deadline. So now it's put up or shut up. You said something was going to be done by that date. So it needs to be done by that date, which happens to be May 10th. So that is uh, what, what I've been pushing and what's created a little bit of stress, but a good type of stress. Um, and I, I, I enjoy it. And I, you know, I guess we're going to make it. Nate and I, uh, who is the guy that even at moneywithclay.com, he's behind the scenes, uh, makes sure everything, the website runs and all that good stuff. But we are almost there and it's early right now, but I want to get this done. Uh, but back to my schedule. So yeah, I wake up at 427, give myself a few minutes to get the cobwebs out get the coffee up and running, um, empty my bladder. And then by that time, it allows me to kind of, you know, I sit there, scroll through the news headlines, just see what's going on. I don't really read news articles per se, but just scroll through the headlines, uh, go to the, the financial sites just to check out what's been going on around the world, what's been going on, um, you know, just whatever. Just kind of, I may or may not uh, visit a couple of Ohio State um, football sites just to see what's going on with recruiting and stuff like that. Um, but then I, I like to be in the office by uh, usually about 4.45, and that gives me a while to just kind of get my bearings. And then for sure, 
By 5 a.m., I am already working on what I want to be working on. In this case, like I said, right now it's 4.46 a.m., so I'm ahead of schedule, which is good. And that gives me three hours until 8 o'clock because 8 o'clock is when my other business really picks up. And uh, it gets a little distracting to give my full focus to something. But right now, it's pure silence. All the kids are sleeping. My wife is sleeping. My other business is, for the... For the most part, sleeping, there's nothing distracting or anything going on. So the morning time is truly my most productive time because it's pure silence. And as I sit here, it's actually raining outside, so I opened up the window. Does anybody else find rain relaxing? So, I mean, these are the extra good mornings where I have good relaxing noise outside. But that is uh, that is the status. And I, I tell you all this just because I want to offer up a little context that, you know, what I talk about here is not... Um, is not based out of you know armchair quarterbacking. Is not based out of my personal theory, but I, I I do live this. I do believe it, and it can be done. And it just goes back to the mentality of you know no excuses. Just just do it. You have an alarm clock. Alarm clocks exist. There are 24 hours in a day. Granted, when you find something that you love to do, when you find something that you truly enjoy, it does. It, it's not work. And, and that saying, as cliche as it is, find something you love to do and you'll never work a day in your life. I can't remember who said that quote, but it actually is. Uh, it, it's very true. But even, but it wasn't always this way. I had to do plenty of early mornings. I had to do plenty of stuff where it wasn't really fun. It wasn't fun at all. But you know what? You just got to, you got to think of the big picture. And if you've listened to past episodes or if you haven't, uh, you know, that, that's been a theme of the, kind of the past month is you can't always be focused on the short term. You got to be focused on the medium term and definitely the you know the long term because if I were to tell you, yeah, you're going to have one or two years of just, at, let's even say three years. You're going to have three years where it's not going to be fun. It's going to be it's going to be very brutal, very annoying. But I mean, that's three years. And with the way medical technology, with the way all that, you know, uh, pharmaceutical stuff I, is, is going, I, who knows? Maybe we're going to all live to be 500 years old. I don't know. But I am quite convinced that, uh, you know, my kids, let's see, my oldest is now seven, Joy. My youngest is, oh, no, almost two, May 31st, almost two. Um, I, I'm convinced that they're going to, I don't think it's going to be that difficult, per se, to, to be pushing 100 years old, just because the technology right now is just crazy. But we won't go down that rabbit hole. Point being, three years in the grand scheme of things, let's say you even live to be, I don't know, 75. I mean, you got 70. you see what I mean? Now, granted, some of that is, you know, well, you're a kid, so that some of that time goes to that. But point being, short-term versus long-term, think long-term. And this goes back to the whole, how do you approach what I just talked about? Are you with me right now? Are you on board? Are you like, yeah, yeah. It, it, it takes time. You got to put in some effort. You got to work hard. You probably got to do some lousy jobs. But I mean, long term, you can get to where you want to go because we do live in a great country. And this this includes any developed country. So this is not one of these things where, yeah, America is the only place you can do this. Now, if you live in some sort of country broken out in civil war right now and all that, yeah, I, I, I would concede the fact that you probably don't have as many opportunities right now as somebody else. But maybe your opportunity is, maybe your solution to the problem is, 
how do I get to fill in the blank country that I believe will give me opportunities? And maybe that's what you need to be focused on. Well, that's never gonna happen. No, figure out how can you make it happen. So I, I, will, I will concede that in some countries, maybe you don't have an opportunity, but I will not concede there, there's gotta be some sort of way if you want it bad enough for you to be able to get to a country um, and whatever country you deem worthy enough to give you the opportunity, that can make it happen. Because there is always opportunity out there and this goes to the whole um, hopefully you listened to last week's episode. Uh, if you didn't, I, I made the comment about this kind of maybe being a two-parter and this would be part two of it. But I, I wanted to kind of contrast two mindsets. And the, uh, it was supposed to be all one episode, but last week's episode, it was like 30 minutes on the one mindset alone. But that one dealt with the minimum wage. And you know, I kind of just talked about the different angles of that, my thoughts on it. And I, I, you know, I, I won't spend any more time here on it. But at, at the core... The mentality with the minimum wage is, hey, you know what? I, I want somebody else to, to, to push me. I need somebody else to push me. I need somebody else. I need, to, I need some sort of external force to push me up my pathway to you know whatever I, I'm trying to accomplish. Whereas I would argue, I don't want people pushing me up the pathway. I just want people structuring the pathway. So when I say structuring the pathway, just keep, keep me safe. So a nice military would be good. I'd like I'd like roads to connect all the various places. So build me some roads. Uh, I'd like a fire department. I'd like a police department. Uh, you know, and I'd like some other you know things here and there. Uh, but for the most part, I don't need all this other all these other rules and regulations and this and that. Just give me a pathway, structure that pathway, keep the pathway protected, and then let me just choose what I do with the pathway because. I can make much better use of the pathway than what the government has proven to be. And this is not a dig at Democrats or Republicans or Green Party or Libertarians or, you know, X, Y, Z party. It's just a, it's just facts. You when you look at government waste and government oversight and government, it's just don't even try. Just focus on protecting the path, focus on creating the path. And besides that, I, I will move myself up the path, I don't need anybody else pushing me up it. So those are the kind of the two mentalities. And in this case, I wanna focus on the, listen, I don't need anyone to push me up the path. I'm gonna do everything on my own. I wanna do it on my own. And that's where this article comes into play, which for me, once again, this in and of itself has a couple of attitudes that contrast, but I, I am in the camp of, whoa, good job, that's awesome. Okay, what did this guy do? I, you know. I'm gonna read it. I actually read this article because I was I was curious. I'm like, okay, maybe I can learn something that this guy did, or that you know, just something that would give me a clue as to not how this has happened or not uh, how it happened. Not necessarily. Well, that's not right that it happened. What about no? Just is there anything I can learn? Is there anything I can benefit from? In the name of this article, Citigroup, which is a bank, so one of those big evil banks that happen to allow you to buy a house because they lend you money to buy a house and cars and all sorts of this, but they're big and evil. Citigroup CEO Corbett defends bank's pay gap. I started in 1983 at $17,000 salary. So have you heard the pay gap thing? Oh, it's just not right how much the top person makes compared to the bottom person. So here we go. Michael Corbett defended the huge uh, compensation gap between low-level employees and top management at Citigroup, saying it should inspire the rank-and-file workers who could someday fill his shoes. I agree. I am very inspired. To, I, I can't remember how much he made right now off the top of my head. But remember, he started 
1983, so the year I was born, at $17,000? My answer is I am that person, Corbett said Thursday on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. I started at her firm in 1983 at $17,000 a year. The pay gap at Citigroup, led by Corbett since 2012, is the biggest among large U.S. banks. Corbett made 20, think about this, $24.2 million last year. He started in 1983 at uh, 17,000. 486 times the median employee pay of 49,766. While other bank CEOs had similar paydays, higher median pay at Bank of America and J.P. Morgan Chase meant that Citigroup had the most extreme ratio. That comparison is unfair to Citigroup because the employees the bank has in places like Mexico and the Philippines were compass, uh where compensation is low, he said, excluding those workers, the average employee in the U.S. makes right about $100,000 a year, he said. $100,000 a year? That's not too bad at all. Again, to clarify that, all these statistics coming together include Mexico and the Philippines, where, I mean, that's just, those workers are, are being paid less and all that, with the way, I'm not gonna go down the rabbit hole of exchange ratio or exchange rates and currency markets and all that, but it's just much cheaper. So those are definitely dragging down the statistics and making that worse. But I mean, still, $100,000 to $24.2 million, that is a big gap. Who cares? Think about that. Man, tell me, Michael, Corbett, how did you, $17,000 and you worked your way up? You, you, know, you took the path that Citigroup uh, City Bank gave you within the corporation itself and, and you made it all the way up to, to 24.2? Let's say you only do half as good. Let's say you only make... Let's say you, you only do basically a tenth of good as good. And that's still $2.4 million. And you started out at 17. Well done. Let's, I want to keep reading. Did, did you do anything? I mean, what, what would you credit this success towards? Income equality at large U.S. corporations is a hot button issue ahead of the 2020 U.S. elections. The pay ratio is even more extreme outside of banking. In, indri- in industries like retail, food, entertainment... For instance, Disney CEO Bob Eager made 1,424 times the median pay of employees, prompting Abigail Disney to call his compensation insane. Okay, so anybody can run Disney? I couldn't run Disney. Do you know how big of a company Disney is that does billions upon billions of... I mean, it's crazy. You, I mean, you better have your act together. That is... You are, when you are a CEO of that sort of, and I get it, oh, well, those people, no, put yourself in those shoes for a second. Imagine waking up and knowing that you have the ultimate decision that is going to affect not a few people, even if it was a few people. I can attest to that as somebody that does and has employed people, as somebody that has created jobs. Now, not thousands of jobs, I'm not saying that, but just a few jobs, that's a big responsibility. You got to think to yourself, okay. How is this decision going to affect these other people? Because they are actually depending on the paycheck that you give them. But a CEO of a, of a billion dollar company, I mean, that's thousands upon thousands of jobs that they need to make good decisions to serve those people so that they can take care of their family. So they can, they, so I mean, I, I can't stand how people just lightly throw out the fact that like being a CEO of some billion dollar company or even million dollar company or even just a company with a few people is like, pff, whatever. Greedy, savage. Have you ever run a company? Have you ever created a job? Oh, you haven't? Okay, well then, 
you might want to take a step back and, and, and reconsider a few things. Uh, let's see, where did this, okay. Corbett, along with other bank CEOs, was grilled last month by U.S. lawmakers over the pay gap at their institutions. Oh, here we go. If you were an employee and you saw your boss making $486 for every dollar you make, how would you feel about that? Representative, oh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that name. Um, such and such asked Corbett on April 10th. Echoing his answer then, Corbett added Thursday that, through the grace of God, through hard work, I got to where I am. So I am that person that looked up and said, maybe if I work hard enough, I can get there. Notice the perspective. Notice the perspective. So I am that person that looked up, okay, there's a pathway here, and said, you know what? Maybe if I work hard enough, I can get there. Not, well, that's not right. He makes so much. I'm way down here. 1983, I'm only making $17,000, and that you know, that person, that thing, that whatever, way over there, way up there, way out there. Pfft, that's not fair. That's not right. Or, or, hey, maybe I can get there if I work hard enough. And what do I got to do to get there? What should I be focused on to get there? What skills do I need to get there? What opportunities do I need to try to find or create and take advantage of to get there? Do you notice a difference in those perspectives? Such a huge, huge difference. Again, if this representative, Nadia, Nadia Valquez, it looks like, if you were an employee and you saw your boss making $486 for every dollar you make, how would you feel about that? If I was asked that, I would say, I would feel motivated, I would feel inspired. And I would. the next question I would ask myself is, okay, how can I get there? What do I need to do to get there? What did this? What did my boss do to get there? Tell me more. That's how I feel. That's how I would feel about that. I would feel very motivated because I would know. Wow, that's the upside potential of working here. The upside potential is making twenty or twenty-four point two million dollars. Well, you know, I'm not a greedy savage. Let me just aim for. Let me aim for. What is? Yes, I'm not good with. What, a, a percent is just 240,000, right? Let me check my math. Math on the fly on a podcast. Should be, did I do that one? Okay, 1% is $24,000 a year. So I mean, even if you're doing, like I knew better than that, 10% would have been 240. Like I said, it is 5018, no excuses, no excuses. I just am not very, I've been corrupted by calculators. Let me just put it that way. Regardless though, and that actually proves the point. You don't need to be like good at math to have personal finance plans and strategies and all that. You just, you, you need to have, uh, this wasn't even planned. You need to have the proper mentality. You need to have the proper perspective and everything else would take care of itself. But I mean, that's what I would like. Okay, well, if the, that, that, oh, that's, that, that's such a terrible question. I, do you see the way they frame it? Well, how would that make you feel? Motivated, inspired, I hope he said that. I wish his article included the quote. I wish I was there so I could have answered that question. That is awesome. That is that fantastic. I mean, that that is great. Why do people go out on their own? Why do people try to start business? Because the upside potential is unlimited. And that's, I mean, to me, that's so, even as I sit here and talk at 5 a.m., I, I am motivated by that. I am inspired by the fact that you know, within certain 
you know, constructs, there is all sorts of upside potential. And the more I think about this out loud, let's flip around that question. <laughs> what happens if this political person, when they're growing these CEOs, was like, if you were an employee and you saw your boss making $5 more for every dollar you made, how would you feel about that? That's it? My growth potential is only up to $5 more than what I'm making right now per dollar? What? That's terrible upside potential. What would I be thinking here? I'd be thinking, I'm out of here, see you later. I'm gonna go find an opportunity where the upside potential is a whole lot more than that. See, it's all about perspective. It's all about how you look at something. If you look at the scenario and, well, I know the person will be like, well, it should be, the other person should be making three, you know, $400 for every, and once again, okay, so the only way that's gonna happen from an economic perspective is a bunch of rules and regulations that force up minimum wage, that force up all these other things. But as I talked in last week's episode, from you know being totally unbiased and looking at just the very basics of supply and demand within economics, that just doesn't work. You can't just force pay, force pay, force. I mean, you can, which is admirable. I'm not gonna deny the fact that that's great. You want everybody to make more money, but there's a catch-22 to that and where why the, uh, the act and the intent I am not saying um, is malicious. I'm not saying is anything other than noble. Just because it's noble doesn't mean that the markets as a whole don't react and won't react in another way just because of you know what I talked about uh, you know in last week's episode. So I realize somebody could say that. I'm saying, yeah, okay, that's, that's, that's kind of good, but it's not good because it just doesn't work out in, uh, in actual reality, supply and demand. So I actually like this. Wow, I'm only making... You know, for every dollar I make, you're making 486? All right, that's, I like, I like where I could potentially go. And maybe I can get there if I work hard, if I do what I need to do. And I hope you have that perspective. I want you to have that perspective. I want you to know that I do have that perspective. And am I perfect at the perspective? No, I, once in a while I'd be like, oh, well, I kind of wish this was like that. But for the most part, I mean, I, I find stuff just, I, it, to me, it's like, all right, wow, okay, that's great. So if you're in a company, figure out, okay, well, what's my boss make? What's his boss make? What's her boss make? And work your way. Maybe just jump to the top. What's the CEO of my company make? When I worked for Honeywell, the CEO made... Dan Cody, he's not there anymore. I can't remember. I mean, millions upon millions upon millions of dollars. And that was that was neat. That was awesome. It's like, well, good for him. What did he do? He, is he an engineer by any chance? Oh, no, he didn't do engineering. But if I would have stayed at Honeywell, my plan would have been eventually, okay, I, I got to learn how to deal with people. I got to learn how to manage people. Because I, I'm going to need, I, I got to get out of the engineering world. If I want to get up to that level, I got to get out of the engineering world and I got to get into the management side of things. I got to get good at managing people. So I would, and and, and Honeywell had that opportunity. Uh, you know, that was always kind of the running joke among us engineers, all oh, that sellout. I mean, we didn't really believe it. I don't know, maybe some people did, but as far as, you know, uh, the people that I was with, I mean, it was just kind of a running joke. Oh, that sellout. He got the engineering degree and now he's in management. Oh my, oh, that sellout. But that's what I would have, probably would have done if I would have stayed there in hindsight. And I would have tried to start to climb. I would have started to try to beast mode. 
You know, my goal would have been, how do we become a plant manager? How do I come be, how do I become the guy at the top of this plant uh, where I worked? Now, the, up within the, the giant corporate chain of Honeywell, I mean, th that's still relatively far down. I mean, it's still high up, but it's still relatively far down. But you got it. You got just one step at a time. And maybe if I work hard enough, I can get there. And I, I, I love that mentality is, you know what? It was just, if, if I put in the time, if I put in the effort, I, I, I maybe I can make it happen. And that's awesome. And, and, and I, like I said, I, I want you to look at the world like that. I hope you look at the world like that. I hope you look at an issue and not say, well, that's not fair, but rather, that's awesome. How do I do that? What did they do to get there? There's just, I don't know if I have uh, done a good job. I'm trying to think if there's any other ways I put it, but I hope I've done a good job explaining just how much of a different night and day that mentality is and you know how much more freeing the one mentality is versus the other where everything, where nothing's ever fair and this, that, and the other. I need somebody else to always be propping me up rather than just saying, no, how, how do I not need somebody to prop me up so that I can prop other people up, so that I can help other people? And I've talked about this before, but you know, I, I'm a, I, I believe that people are good in the sense of if people have more money, they, they, will, they will help other people out that are, are, are working hard but in some rough spots. They will donate more to charity. They'll donate more to their local church. They'll, they'll, they'll do whatever they need to do um, because they have more money. And those charities are going to be a whole lot more efficient at spending that money, depending on the charity. Don't get me wrong. There's some sketchy ch uh, charities out there, but they're going to, uh, to do a, a, a much better job of just being able to help people out where I would rather be able to prop somebody up by, being, by donating to charities that I've done my research on and that sort of thing rather than the government itself needing to prop up everything because just let me be free. Let me do what I need to do. Let me figure out how to get to the top. And you just sit back and you, you, you protect the path. But besides that, I don't need anything else. But, I mean, if you don't have this mentality, you definitely turned off this uh, a long time ago. Uh, but if you're still listening, awesome. I'm assuming you have that mentality. Good for you. I'm with you. I'm fully on board. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, that, that's, let's go iron sharpens iron. And I, um, you, you're going to be successful. You, you already are successful. And that, that's not a, that, I don't mean that lightly. If you have this mentality, you're going to be successful. I have yet to meet somebody that has this mentality and that is not successful. Now I'm not defining success as you're the CEO of a huge, you know, U S bank, but you're successful as a parent, you're I mean, and you know, you're successful. You're able to provide for your family. You're successful, and just you're making things happen. You're successful in your way to be able to, um, you know, to to to, to give now of your both your time and and money to charity, to your church, to whatever. I mean, I I haven't met anybody that is with this mentality that is not successful. This is a mentality of success. And you will be successful. You will be able to provide. You will be able, because here's a problem. And it seems to be getting worse and worse. A lot of people don't believe this way. So just think about how easy it becomes. If you actually do think this way, then you're not, you don't really apparently have that much competition anymore. And it seems as though competition is dropping and dropping every single year. So, I mean, the path of least resistance literally at this point in time is 
well, you might as well do this, which makes it even less of an excuse to not do it. But you're already doing it. Your competition is getting less and less by the, by the day, by the month, by the year. So all I'll say is keep on doing it. I'm with you. Let's go. I mean, let's, let's make it happen. Where do you want to be? Shoot for the stars, but if you want to shoot for the stars, let's keep it realistic. Figure out what you got to do to get there, what skills you got to learn, what opportunities you got to take advantage of, and just start to do it. Get to it. Use that thing, you know, use that alarm clock that's on your phone. And let's go. No excuses. I'm with you. You can do it. We're going to be successful. So let's be successful together. Thanks for listening. I'll see you back next week. Thank you so much for hanging out and listening. Before I go, I want to just make your attention to a few things. First off, if you enjoyed the show, then make sure to help us out in the iTunes, especially if you could leave us a rating. That goes a long way and just assists me in getting the word out there. And I, I genuinely would appreciate it. Second, if you find yourself either in debt or just feeling like your, your personal finances are kind of out of control or could be much more efficient, then I would encourage you to go to moneywithclay.com and check out the Slab Money Method. That is the course that I put together as a former process engineer that outlined every single step, step by step by step with documentation, with forms to fill out, that'll put you on the path, the exact path I used to pay off $163,000 of debt and get myself to the point where not only am I debt free, but I am now able to build wealth and build wealth in an efficient uh, manner. So if you're curious and interested in that, again, moneywithclay.com and that is the slab money method. And no, this is not all some massive sales pitch when I say that it works, it truly does. And I back that up with more than words. My action behind those words is that course comes with a one year money back guarantee. So if you try it out and you're not making any progress, you're not seeing any progress, then I will refund you the cost of the course, which is very minimal to begin with. And then finally, make sure to check us out on social media, Facebook, Instagram, just look up for Money With Clay and you will see us there. Again, thanks for hanging out. I'll see you back next episode.